Hello, welcome to another episode on the Book of Romans. Today we are going to work through chapter 14. In our last episode, we covered all of Romans 13, where Paul outlined expectations for Christians in relation to governing authorities, uh, what government looks like, and ended with a call of urgency for the church to wake up and remember the message of Christ that they carry and how, how we should act in the midst of that. And that's what brings us to Romans chapter 14, which is this continuation of Paul's practical application in theology in his letter to the church to, to the Romans. Uh, this time, the focus shifts back to the church and how we handle disagreements. So we'll read verses 1 through 14 and get Paul's outline of the issue, and then we'll circle back and dive into the meaning of the text. So let's start here at verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith... Welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord, and the one who eats eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack here in this first passage. Uh, first, a lot of people read this passage and kind of get a bad taste in their mouths because Paul uses the term weak and strong to, in referring to people's beliefs about certain issues. Paul, considering himself to be strong in the faith, tells others who are strong in their faith to welcome in those who are weak in their faith. But what does Paul mean by that? Well, as we saw in this passage, Paul spoke about those who are weaker in their faith as those who abstain from eating meat. Now, this doesn't mean that we get to go up to every vegetarian in the world and call them weak, even though they might be. <laughs> Likely in this context, Paul is referring to people who were brought up in the Jewish faith where you were commanded to abstain from certain unclean foods, which included a lot of meat. And in their recent conversion to Christ, they still haven't transitioned out of that law aspect that they were formerly following. And so, not as a term of belittlement, but more as a description of progress, Paul calls them weak in their faith. They are young. They're new to this. this there's a real element of weakness, like a, almost like a child in their developmental growth who gets stronger as they grow. They are weak right now and that they cling to what is familiar, what is comfortable, rather than clinging to Christ and the fullness of what he has for them. And so in the midst of this, you have Jews who are claiming to abstain from meat in their faith and devotion to God. And you have others who are eating meat and thanking God for it. 
So who was right? Well, again, by Paul's categorization of weak and strong, we see that eating meat was permitted by God. And so that's the strong or correct view that Paul holds on to. But in that, here is the instruction that Paul gives to these groups. First, to the strong, to the ones who are correct. You are to welcome in the weak and not quarrel over opinions. Which means that if we are strong in the faith, and maybe let's switch the topic from food to something more applicable for us, like alcohol, we are supposed to welcome weaker people in the faith into our lives, into the church, without feeling like we need to fight and quarrel and debate over that disagreement. To welcome someone means that you can have the discussion, but even if you have the discussion and you still leave disagreeing on that issue, you still love one another and welcome one another. Next, in verse 4, Paul gives this instruction to the weaker in the faith, those who abstain from eating meat. He says, Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? Meaning, God is the one who judges what is and isn't sin, not you. And they are standing in their convictions that they're faithfully working out through God's word. And you are trying to step in and say that they're in sin because of that. This later connects to verses 12, uh, 10 through 12, where Paul says that we will all be judged by God. So we don't need to judge our brothers. God will take care of that. Each one of us individually will give an account of himself to God. We don't get to do that for each other. But in verse 5, Paul shifts the topic from food to the Sabbath. The Jews who were weaker in the faith wanted to continue observing the Sabbath on the actual literal Sabbath day, which was Saturday. <laughs> but there were others, as Paul describes, who saw all days alike. They might observe the Sabbath on a Monday or a Thursday, and depending on their schedules, it might change from month to month. As long as they were observing it and they were continually engaged with their church, Paul's point here is that both of these views are fine. And here's where Paul connects both ideas. He says that these disagreements can happen in the church and that we should not despise or judge one another because we no longer live or die for ourselves. As Christians, we live and die for Christ. And so, if in my conviction to live for Christ and through my careful study of his word, I am still at the place where I want to abstain from meat and worship on Saturdays, cool. The church can recognize that I still have growth to encounter and go through in my faith. But they can also recognize that they can lovingly be a part of that growth, not through judgment and quarreling or despising that person and arguing about it until their ears bleed, but through grace and love. And if I'm at the place in my faith where I eat meat and worship God on Mondays with the church, also, cool. <laughs> the weaker in faith should not be passing judgment on their brothers and sisters in Christ when they themselves will need to give an account to God for the very judgment that they're passing on their brothers and sisters in Christ. All right, so hopefully all of that makes sense. I'm going to keep reading here in chapter 14 so we can wrap up the whole thing in one episode. Uh, so let's pick up at verse 13 and read through 23. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. 
So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because he is eating not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. All right, so we see again that Paul encourages uh, the church not to pass judgment on one another. On top of that, Paul says that we should commit to never putting a stumbling block before a brother. And he reverts back to the example on food. Paul says he himself is persuaded that there is nothing unclean in itself, but it is unclean if that person thinks it's unclean. Meaning, if someone is convicted in the action of eating meat because they think it's unclean, or again, to move to a more modern conversation, drinking alcohol, and they go through with it anyway, that person is actually sinning. And for those that continue to do those same things in the presence of their weaker brothers, they are also sinning. Now again, we need to slow down and clarify. Paul is not saying that if you know anyone who abstains from eating meat or drinking alcohol or watching certain movies or watching certain TV shows, that you are sinning if you continue to do those things even in the absence of that person. What Paul is saying is that as the stronger person in the faith, you are responsible for caring for your weaker brother and sister. So if you are doing life with them and they don't like drinking alcohol, then don't drink alcohol around them. <laughs> you can avoid a hard cider for one night. You will be fine. <laughs> the language Paul uses here is actually really strong, saying that we should avoid destroying the faith of those for whom Christ died. If we do not care for the things that cause the people around us to stumble, then we are not truly walking in genuine love that Paul outlined for Christians in Romans 12. It should bring us delight to be able to set aside our preferences for a moment to love and care for a brother. It is a beautiful thing for us to take care in ensuring that we do not cause others to stumble. Yet so often we look at this command from Paul as a burden. We look at those who are weak in the faith and we think, oh gosh, they're just going to stay weak in the faith if I don't drag them kicking and screaming to my barbecue where I can force feed them meat, throw a beer down their throats, and tape open their eyes so that they watch the TV shows that I like. We are so selfish when it comes to these issues and Paul's continual reminder is that it is sin for us to think in that way. And that the response of a genuine believer who has been transformed by Christ is to come alongside and welcome in and to love in grace and truth. After all, that is what Christ did for us. We were loved by God 
before we encountered Christ and went through a radical transformation. And now we can thank God that we've gone through that transformation and are now on our way to looking more like Christ. But when it comes to our weaker brothers and sisters, we somehow expect them to skip parts of the process that we were so graciously brought through and cared for in the middle of by Christ. May we have a more Christ-like attitude on this issue with our brothers so that the world can see the care and the love, that familial Philadelphia love that we have for one another. But hey, maybe you disagree. I can't imagine that I would come across a lot of disagreement on this topic in 2020, but it's entirely possible. Maybe you do disagree. If you do, I would love to hear from you. Let's have the back and forth. Let's have the discussion. I'm open to that. I want, like, this This whole chapter is about doing that, about coming alongside one another, welcome, welcoming one another in, and having the back and forth. So please, let me know what you agree with. Let me know what you disagree with. Let's have the discussion. Let's do the back and forth. And yeah, we're almost at the end of Romans. This is crazy. We're, we're wrapping up chapter 14. Uh, this has been a long time coming, but I'm, I'm excited to, to keep plowing through it. So as always, thank you for tuning in. May God bless you, and I will see you soon.